Welcome to How You Spend Your Days. The goal of this show is to explore debt, break down the stigma around talking about money, and share my own journey of becoming debt-free. My name is Colin, and today we're doing an update show um, where I'm finally going to be uh, unveiling the spreadsheet that we keep talking about so that you can take a look at it uh, and create your own version of it. Uh, And we're also going to be talking about everyone's favorite topic, lifestyle creep. So first things first, uh, I think every episode up until this point for it's been uh, amazingly two and a half months, uh, I keep mentioning the spreadsheet that I've been working on. And what I was trying to figure out was what is the simplest way for me to view my progress, but to also be able to identify any kind of shortfalls or, you know, in the the eventual future, hopefully windfalls um, that allow me to figure out uh, the, you know, the optimal way for me to get out of debt. And so what I've done with this uh, is in reading Vicki Robbins' book, Your Money or Your Life, um, she talks about uh, plotting your income and your expenses on a chart. And she actually uh, encourages that you do this on a physical chart that you can see, uh, something that you walk past every day. Uh, I'm going to be doing this in my bullet journal so that I have it in on my person at all time. But I also have this digital version. And the reason for it is that the digital version can uh, live on the website, but it also is allows me to do a bunch of charting and um, just some some calculations and things like that. So if you're interested in it, uh, you can check it out at howyouspendyourdays.com slash numbers. And with that, you'll see um, the, the general premise of this is that it's really just a graph of money over time. And each input is done on a monthly basis. So this is not something that you have to go back and visit every single day. Um, but it does allow you to look at things on a month-to-month basis and along, on a longer time horizon. So really, the, the chart should only be historical. But what I've been doing, uh, in, in addition to my income and expenses, which I'm adding at the end of every month, I'm basically going in and doing a full accounting and inventory of both how much did I make, how much did I spend, and I put that under January 2019. Uh, I'll do that again in February, and then you get that difference of what is the difference between how much I'm spending and how much I'm making. And as we've talked about in the past, I am a freelancer, and so I have variable income, and one of my goals has been smoothing that out. And I think the really great thing about this chart is that you're going to start to see that smooth out as I get that figured out. And I have been able to figure that out uh, in a larger sense lately. Um, With that, I've added a few other columns that are just kind of helpers for me to think about. Uh, And one of those is the income to expense ratio. So the idea here is what is the ratio between how much I make and how much I spend. And that number will be able to be used as like a trend line for how well I am, uh, you know, having a surplus of income compared to the things that I'm spending money on. Uh, One of the other columns is total debt. So I have listed my um, my credit card debt and my IRS debt uh, in two different columns there so that I can track both of those to zero. Those I've also uh, made some assumptions around, which is the debt service column. And the debt service column is the amount of money that I'm going to be putting towards the service of debt. 
Um, this is not in addition to my expense category. So um, this is one of those things where I'm trying to figure out the best way to track uh, my actual expenses versus how much I'm putting towards debt uh, and just making sure that I, one, have enough income to cover both of those. And so they're they're kind of tied up into the expense ratio as well. Uh, but what you can see is that over time, I can adjust the debt service column uh, to then feed into the paydown uh, of both the the both debts that I have, and so from that, then we get this trend. Uh, we get this line in the future that's forecasting when I will actually reach zero on the IRS debt, and uh, once that hits zero, then all of that debt service can be thrown at the credit cards. Um, in addition to that, I'm also calculating a savings rate and a total amount of savings. Uh, right now, I am working on that $1,000 emergency fund, which is 70% of the way there at $700. So, um, you know, whatever that savings rate is each month will also be calculated. And um, we're going to talk about what that savings uh, amount is going to get used for in the future. Um, it's very possible that I may just take that chunk and go ahead and send it over to um, service some of that credit card debt once I hit that $1,000 goal just to make a dent in it. Uh, and then continue um, saving again. Um, You know, if you have any opinions or thoughts on that, I'd love to hear it. But after thinking about this a lot more, having that money in savings is useful from a um, safety net perspective, but it's just sitting there. And I think getting rid of the debt is the, you know, biggest priority for me. And so once I hit that $1,000 um, goal, I'll be able to mark that off as, as a goal that I've completed. And then I can make the decision to just make a dent uh, in that. So uh, we're not going to talk about spreadsheets a lot on here um, because it's not something that you can easily visualize. So I encourage you to go check it out again at howyouspendyourdays.com slash numbers. There will be a link to the spreadsheet. And so if you want to Um, you can go into Google Sheets and create your own copy of this. And what I encourage you to do is go in and um, just delete out my numbers and put in your own numbers and you can then track your own sheets and the graphs will update and things like that. So there's two worksheets. There's the data worksheet, which has all the numbers. And then there's like a dashboard, which is the the graph that you can actually see on uh, the How You Spend Your Days website. So this is going to be my my essentially my financial life chart for now. Um, I think it's a good tool for me to see the difference, especially with spiky income and spiky expenses. You'll see some irregularities. Some of them I had to like dig into around, you know, why was my expenses for one month so much higher than for a different month? Um, was it because I pushed off certain payments for bills or certain things into different months? Um, And then the same goes for income. I had months where, you know, income was literally zero, but then it was made up for, you know, in surrounding months with a much larger amount. And so getting to the point where I can actually calculate my average uh, income and then as part of that journey towards getting to a smooth uh, freelancer salary, uh, a lot of people recommend finding out what you need to make and paying yourself uh, essentially like a salary from your own company. And then anything that is left over goes into savings so that when you do have a down month that you're going to be using that savings to continue to pay yourself. And so if you have an LLC or something like that, that might just mean keeping money in your business account. And even if you have more than you normally would, 
you continue to pay yourself that monthly amount. And then the next month, if there is a shortfall, you have the excess from the previous month. uh, And hopefully that is enough to cover it. And so if you're getting enough projects, if you're billing enough and you're having your invoicing on a regular schedule, uh, which I have, um, fortunately, I'm on a two week uh, payment plan with all of my invoices. So they're all net 14 uh, and they're all issued on the first and 15th of each month. So uh, I can pretty regularly set up my invoicing and my income to happen around the times where I really want to look at what I'm spending uh, my money on for bills, which tends to be around the first of the month for things like rent uh, and health insurance, and then around the middle of the month where I'm kind of taking a a new inventory and restock of how things are looking, what other bills might be uh, outstanding. And uh, once I have enough of a system around when bills are due, uh, I plan on turning everything back onto auto pay right now. Some of my things I have manually just so that I can make sure that I'm aware of every single thing that's happening uh, on my cards and in my accounts. So, uh, so yeah, that's the numbers. Uh, we can, uh, you know, if you have any questions or uh, comments to help make that system better, or if there's something that really works for you, like we talked about um, Catherine's spreadsheets last week, uh, if there's something that really works for you, I'd love to hear about it. Uh, you can reach out to us uh, at howyouspendyourdays.com uh, or how you spend uh, on Instagram and Twitter. So yeah, so that's the numbers. Uh, overall, I'm feeling pretty confident. My general just you know check in on my uh, i guess my mental relationship with an emotional relationship with money is that i feel more aware and more secure in where things are going there's not a lot of things that you know knock on wood will surprise me right now that i can't handle Um, I have a full inventory of the situation that i'm in i have a plan for getting out of it uh, and, you know, hopefully, you know, continue that plan instead of servicing debt towards savings and investments once I get there. Um, but, you know, focusing on that first next step, which is um, just, you know, smoothing out income and paying off debt right now. Uh, after last week's episode, I had a couple people reach out just asking how things were going. Um, and so I generally feel in a better place than I was two and a half months ago when we started. Um, but it doesn't look like I've made a big dent in things. And I know that you know, I want this to go as quickly as possible, but I do know realistically that this is going to take, you know, many, many months um, to years to get to this point. And looking at my spreadsheet, it does estimate um, that I will be reaching uh, where I want to be in, let's see here, at the dashboard, um, IRS debt being gone in 2020. So that's a year from now. Uh, and then uh, we're looking at the end of 2020 for the credit cards at the current plan that I have. And so that's pretty optimistic to me. I think, uh, you know, I could, um, as long as I can stick to it, I think I can definitely get there and uh, just continue week after week. Um, And I don't want this to be a show where I'm updating, you know, how the the graph is trending, but I want to also come in and introduce these topics that I'm learning about, um, that I'm wrestling with, uh, so that you can learn from them as well. And hopefully, if you found yourself, you know, 
treating yourself a little bit too much lately and and piling up some credit card debt or maybe you decided to take a trip and you just haven't fully paid it off that you've uh, are able to think about um, what that's doing to your in to your finances and how you can you know realign get back to where you want to be uh, and get that paid off uh, so you can start focusing on just generating wealth building wealth uh, and uh, hopefully um, not allowing your lifestyle to creep up a little bit too much around you so so the next thing I want to talk about is lifestyle creep and lifestyle creep has a few components to it um, that I want to dive into um, there's a few really good articles that I'll link to in the show notes as well about some of these effects but what's really interesting when you start to become aware of the amount of money you're spending is you are more aware of what you're buying that you maybe don't need. And I know a lot of people who will buy something um, because they had to have it and you experience buyer's remorse, you know, the next day or even when, you know, a year from now you look at that thing that you purchased and maybe you're just not using it. Uh, And so at the time it was this burning desire and then you really didn't get much use out of it or it didn't fit into, um, you know, your just your day-to-day life. And so... Uh, We'll talk about some tips and tricks to manage your psychology around um, those kind of impulse purchases and things uh, in a little bit. But um, the first thing I want to talk about is just this general sense of um, what you've probably heard of is like the hedonic treadmill or hedonic adaptation. And so um, the wiki definition of this is that it's an observed tendency of humans to quickly return to a relatively stable level of happiness despite major positive or negative events uh, or life changes. And so when you apply this to money, say you have uh, a bonus that you get paid or you decide to make a large purchase, whatever that is, you uh, maybe you got paid a lot of money or you got a raise and now your life is going to eventually trend towards this is the new normal for you so you have this new income you're now used to being able to spend more money because you have more money uh, and then you get to a point where that becomes the new normal and now you want to make more money and so that's on the income side of things but this can also occur on the spending side of things which is that you know impulse buy that you had to have because it's going to make you so happy you buy it and you might experience this little dopamine hit of happiness. And that's going to come back down to this relatively stable level of happiness again. And thankfully, the hedonic treadmill goes the other way as well with negative events. But this tends to be something that happens more so when you're spending money and making more money is that you eventually reach this new normal. And one of the things that I see, and I have done this myself so many times is that when I make more money, I tend to spend more money. Um, This is similar to even getting a thing done. The more time you give yourself to do a task, the more time it's going to take. So if you're able to spend more money on that dinner, you know, you're probably going to do it. If you can afford to do the appetizers and the dinner and drinks, um, you're going to do it and you can justify that any which way. Um, But then at the end of the day, you got to take stock in, am I looking at, you know, paying myself first? Am I putting money into savings? Am I servicing debt? Am I uh, making sure that, you know, my credit cards are paid off and then putting money into investments and savings and, you know, whatever that might look like. Um, So to continue this, there's another effect that I really like, which is called the Diderot effect. Uh, And the Diderot effect um, 
kind of is similar to this hedonic treadmill phenomenon, which is, um, again, we'll read a definition and we'll just kind of talk about both of these. But the, the Diderot effect is a social phenomenon related to consumer goods that comprises two ideas. So the first is that goods purchased by consumers will be cohesive to their sense of identity. So you're going to buy things that uh, make sense in your life, right? So if you're an athlete, you might be really drawn to buying running shoes and you know other gear that you might need for that. Um, and then the second result is that because you're buying all these things, that they're all going to be complementary to one another. And what happens is, say you've been buying all these things that fit this identity that you have for so long. Maybe it's in your home. You bought uh, you know furniture that all seemed to match with your aesthetic, um, your you know whatever makeover you did to your house, whatever that might be, and it all fits that identity of who you are and what the home is that you want to have. The issue with the Diderot effect is that when you buy something that diverges from that identity or that complementary effect, um, it tends to create a spiraling out of buying more things. And so um, this comes from a, a, a philosopher, um, Denis Diderot, and he famously bought this just fabulous red robe that didn't match any of the other things that he owned. Everything else paled to it. And the issue was now he's out buying new shoes to match his red robe. He's buying new pants, buying a new hat, whatever that is that he needs to fit his new identity, he's going out and buying all of those things. And to take that back to, you know, our more realistic uh, examples, you buy a car and now you suddenly need to have all the things in that new car that will allow you to make sure you're prepared for anything, you know, putting things like uh, accessories and chains and all that kind of stuff you need to have in your car in case something goes awry. So you've purchased one thing that causes you to buy a whole bunch of other things. Uh, back to the furniture example, you buy a piece of furniture or maybe you pay to have the walls painted and now the entire identity of what you want your home to be or what you believe your house should look like is now changing and so that spawns you uh, wanting to remodel another room or um, purchase different furniture a new rug whatever that might be and so these two things kind of work um, in tandem because once you do reach that new level of identity that hedonic treadmill sets in and you're at that new normal you're at that new level of happiness and so you can go along on that until you find yet another item that is divergent from your identity that causes you to spiral out of control again so I really think that those two things are really interesting you know this is all getting into like these phenomenons that we can observe but I guarantee every one of you have can identify something where you've done this before. I've definitely done this. You know, sometimes it just feels good to go buy a new pair of running shoes and with it, let's go ahead and get some new uh, running shorts. You know, all these different things add up and they spiral out. And so um, I'm going to post a link to a really great article about the the Diderot effect from James Clear's website. Uh, we've talked about him a little bit uh, with his book, Atomic Habits. Um, but he has a really good article about this on how to avoid um, the kind of trap that happens here because if you're trying to be intentional with your spending you need to think about do i really want to buy something and a solution to that might be to write it down uh and then come back to it in a day or two to see if it's still something you want to buy um because now you're not 
putting all of this uh, strain on your willpower to see, like, does this fit my identity? Is this really going to actually be useful? Am I going to actually put it to work so that, you know, it's a, a good purchase for me? There's obviously going to be some things that you're going to spend money on that have no actual value from a uh, productivity perspective or, you know, um, that kind of sort of thing, you know, going out to eat um, and having entertainment and things like that are going to be things where they can also be affected by lifestyle creep, but in a different way. Suddenly, you know, everything that you do going out needs to be uh, even more epic than the last time uh, because you can afford it, you justify it, and now you're spending a lot more money um, than you normally would on a night out. And so these things can can definitely influence themselves. Uh, and so from that article, um, his big call out is to reduce your exposure to triggers. And so if for my situation, uh, you know, it might be um, not going into coffee shops as often because for me, my lifestyle creep tends to be when things are good and I'm making enough money, I tend to go out to buy coffee more. I tend to go out to buy food and drink more. Uh, and so reducing my exposure to anything that triggers that might be actually, um, you know, just not putting myself in those environments where I know I'm going to spend money. Uh, you know, for me, working out of the office or working from home, whatever that might be, making those things at home. Um, another big thing here is just social networks like Instagram. Um, most uh, of the advertisements that we see, they're all designed to part our, you know, part us uh, with our money. And some of those things may truly be something that you need to buy. You may be in the market for it. You may have already been um, shopping for those new pair of running shoes. But if it's something that you aspirationally want that thing, but it doesn't, you know, you didn't have a plan to buy it, then you're being triggered by these different things that are, again, designed to get you to pay for them. Um, and one of the other things that he recommends is trying to go a month without buying something new. This is a challenging one. I would say this is a lot, this is doable if you say, I'm going to go a month without buying something new other than like groceries. Um, I think it's definitely doable. I think um, it's amazing how many little things that we buy day to day or week to week that we don't notice um, that we could probably get by without buying. Uh, and one of the examples he uses is instead of going out and buying a lawnmower, can you borrow one or rent one from somebody? Um, and that go gets into, you know, how often are you going to use a thing? Um, if it's going to be absolutely inconvenient, you're never going to mow your lawn, then it probably makes sense for you to own a lawnmower. Um, but if it's something that you can get by with, uh, without purchasing, definitely give that a try. For me, I like to work on uh, a lot of DIY projects and it is so tempting to buy every tool that will, it's like a single use, single purpose tool because it's going to make that one small task so much easier. But these tools are only, only have one purpose. And so if you, uh, I'm trying to think of an example here, but like a very specific wrench or a very specific saw that uh, is only for those certain cuts or those certain, um, you know, screws and, and bolts and things is probably not going to be as useful as uh, a multi-tool or something that you're going to be using every day or every time you work on a project. And so for me, when I work on a project, I try not to buy a tool that only has the one purpose to it. Uh, if it does, then I want to go, you know, rent one or borrow one or find a workaround that doesn't involve that tool. Uh, I'm actually really curious to try this 
um, go one month without buying something new. Um, and the other way to look at this would be to go to thrift stores uh, and see if you can find uh, alternatives to buying something brand new. Um, people are obviously getting rid of things. I think there's a <laughs> – with uh, the popularity of Marie Kondo's documentary, uh, thrift stores are overwhelmed right now with people um, donating things. And so, you know, people are getting rid of things that don't bring them happiness anymore. And you can go out and, you know, go to a thrift store and go in there with a plan of something that you're looking for and you might get lucky and find uh, exactly what you're looking for at a much uh, cheaper uh, price. So – um, so yeah, both of these things um, contribute to lifestyle creep in general. Uh, thinking about how much you're making and when you do make more money, how can you stay at that same level? Uh, it becomes really important to be able to just say like, okay, cool, we're making more money. Let's put that towards things that we can have fun with later, whether that's saving or investing so that you can enjoy that later uh, versus just allowing yourself to now raised that new level of of normal, which is now I can just go out more. Uh, and if going out more is the thing that makes you happy, then then that's great. Um, but being intent, uh, being aware and conscientious about and having intent around it is is important. So uh, one of the questions I did have from a listener is, uh, what have I done to curb lifestyle creep? And uh, what are things that you've done to scale back spending? So this one's actually kind of hard to think about for me because most of my expenses are around bills that I have to pay for and then food and drink. So I think the second part of that is the most important part for me, which is uh, what things have I done to scale back spending? Um, And so I have successfully scaled back my food and drink um, expenses significantly. Um, I think I need to quantify that a little bit more uh, in a future episode. Um, But being able to just find alternatives to some of the rituals that I was so used to. um, And again, like changing my environment uh, instead of, you know, if I'm going to go do things with friends, doesn't always have to be at a place where we have to buy food. Uh, it can be at someone's house. Uh, we can do potlucks. We can someone can cook, whatever that might be, um, which I really enjoy doing. I really love cooking. Uh, I like being able to share that with other people, uh, you know, and it's just like a, a fun experience uh, for me. And that can be so much cheaper than going out, especially when you think about uh, coffee, drinks, things like that. Uh, so that's my big one, which is just cooking at home more, making your own coffee, creating new rituals. Uh, I really had to think about like, how do I unwire my brain from wanting to go to Starbucks and the local coffee shops around here um, and make it into a different ritual, which is I get up and I, you know, start the water and I make the coffee myself, uh, you know, much cheaper and then create those social interactions that I would get from going to the cafes, you know, in my work or getting out and going for runs and things like that with other people. Um, as far as lifestyle creep, I will say this was an issue for me before I used to, when I was making a lot more money working for, a company, uh, I saw my level of lifestyle go up. Um, definitely way more trips, um, places, you know, we went to literal island vacations and things that I have not done since I have had that job. Um, but that was also a time for me where I am kicking myself now because I could have gotten myself out of debt in that time. And instead, my lifestyle 
raised to meet my new income and with it all my expenses and experiences raised with it and now i'm looking back on that time where yes those things were fun at the moment but i would have probably thanked my former self a lot more if i had at least made a, a dent in my debt at the time and so that was a very privileged place that i was in and i was very thankful for you know the opportunity and that job and um but at the time i was not operating in a place you know in a healthy relationship with money and i was spending it and uh i had the means of getting out of debt at that time and i didn't uh that job was was not long lived and so it, that window kind of ended and uh i went back into freelancing which was again more spiky and more unreliable uh and now we're you know finally getting back to that what would this look like if i had a healthier relationship with money how do i you know take that money that would go into lifestyle creep and then get out of debt and i think that this is something that is like you know the the destination is not the goal um it's the the journey part of it it's the path the path is the goal is that once you're out of debt you need to make sure that you don't just find yourself throwing things back on credit cards or taking that money that you normally would service debt to allow your lifestyle to just balloon again. And so these are things that I need to think about because I know myself and I know my past relationship with money and I need to think about that. So um, I'm trying to get a little bit more um, into specifics about what has gone right and what has gone wrong with um, how I uh, interact with money and how I spend money. Again, so if any of this is sparking something within you, uh, questions, comments, uh, you know, any ideas that you might have that I might try, uh, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, I think we're going to uh, go ahead and wrap this solo episode. I've been talking long enough. Uh, we will have another guest next week. So episode 13, uh, check it out next week on Wednesday. Um, but I hope um, you take into account just how your income and your own lifestyle kind of uh, match. You know, are you overspending, um, you know, pretty frequently? Are you living a little bit above your means? Um, how does your lifestyle match your income uh, and your expenses? And just really think about that. And you can go ahead and get a copy of the spreadsheet at howyouspendyourdays.com slash numbers, um, plug in your own income and expenses over time, see how that's been trending, um, and get a better sense of that for yourself. So uh, thank you again for listening. Uh, it's been uh, 12 great episodes, two and a half months of the show. Uh, I'm feeling good about where we're at and where we're headed. Uh, so thanks for joining. Uh, if you love the show, I would absolutely love if you could give us a review. Uh, reviews on iTunes help other people find the show um, so if you uh, love what you're listening to i uh, would be very grateful for a review uh, you can just pop over to itunes and search for how you spend your days uh, go ahead and give it a star rating or uh, or go ahead and type in a review again helps people find the show uh, and so more people can uh, also head towards uh, getting out of debt themselves or just having a better relationship with money so thanks guys and we will catch you next week Music in this episode from Blue Dot Sessions.